Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Fires of the Dead. And I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of uh, Beyond Redemption. I also am Rob Hayes. Uh, I wrote Never Die. And sometimes I write under the name of Dirk Ashton uh, and the with the Paternus Trilogy. Which is his real name. I feel I've just been introduced, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he pretty much nailed everything there. I'm, I'm going to be Ben Galley today, author of Chasing Graves. <laughs> we probably should also give our real names, since some people might be listening here for the first time. So, <laughs> Rob, <laughs> All right, I'm Rob Hayes, I suppose. <laughs> I'll be D- I'll be Dirk Ashton today, author of the Paternus Trilogy. Uh, Michael R. Fletcher, author of Ghosts of Tomorrow and somewhere between six and eight other books I can't remember. <laughs> Excellent. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about our publishing journeys to date, how we kind of started off, where we're at at the moment, and maybe a little bit of our plans for the future. So Rob, would you like to kind of kick us off talking about your initial sort of publishing um, things that went on with your books and how that has kind of progressed over time to where you are today? Okay, I'll, uh, I'll try to make it somewhat succinct. Um, it's, it's a long story, to be honest. But there I want to hear it. So I... Um, no, you know, it's, it's, it's a sordid tale. Um, no, anyway, uh, so I, I, I've been writing properly since uh, about 2010. Um, I, uh, and then I eventually sort of decided I had a, a trilogy that was... I thought good enough to be published, um, submitted it to a bunch of agents, got soundly rejected, so uh, self-published it. Um, that was the the Ties That Bind trilogy, um, which uh, sold far better than I was ever expecting, to be honest. Um, and 
yeah, it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise to me. That was in 2013, and then in 2014, I was uh, picked up by an uh, independent publisher um, who I don't I don't fancy naming them, um, <laughs> and uh, screwed around basically. They uh, they spent a long time um, publishing. Uh, the books, trying to get them out, and then, and then delayed the follow-ups, and then didn't pay me royalties, and it was all sorts. It was an absolute mess. And then in 2017, I took my rights back and self-published uh, all my books all over again, basically, um, which is a nice, quick way of pointing out the fact that I am now entirely self-published. So we'll get into um, Mike and Dirks in a second, but just quickly on that note. So when you took back your rights and self-published everything in 2017, what did you see as the impact of that? How many books were you uh, re-releasing at that stage? Um, at that point, I was re-releasing five, I think it was. Although uh, the, the, the independent publisher only ever published three of them. Um, and basically dicked around with, with the other two, released an a audio version from an unfinished manuscript of, of uh, Where Loyalties Lie, um, which was an absolute uh, horror show. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever had uh, that sort of thing, I'd be like, oh, no, it's, it's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I re-released my original trilogy, Ties That Bind, and then released uh, Best Laid Plans, which they had the rights, originally had the rights to, but never actually published. Um, yeah, that was in 2017. Yeah. Long, long time ago now, it feels. So moral of the story is be careful who you are <laughs> publishing with, essentially. Uh, my moral of the story is don't touch uh, independent publishers with a barge pole, but <laughs> different people may have different opinions on that one. Mike, do you want to talk about your publishing journey, which again is a little bit different? Yep. Okay, I'll uh, I'll try and rip through this fairly quickly. So 2008-2009, I wrote a cyberpunk book called 88, which was me basically trying to write Snow Crash and failing badly. Uh, I spent two or three years shopping it to agents, got rejected by everybody, landed it with a what they call a micro press a really small canadian publisher and sold maybe uh, 32 copies uh my second book uh beyond redemption sold to harper voyager in the u.s and worldwide i got one of those nice fat uh trad author um advances uh, stopped working a day job for a year. Uh, and then, uh, in spite of amazing reviews, sales actually bombed so hard. Uh, there was zero interest in the, uh, the sequel I'd written during my year off and the standalone uh, I'd also written during that year. Um, so I, the standalone, Swarm and Steel, that later sold to Skyhorse. Uh, absolutely no one, uh, not a, there's no publisher interested in the sequel to a book that bombed, weirdly. I, I don't know why, <laughs> I can't figure that out. Uh, but since I'd already written it, uh, I decided I would self-publish it. 
because kind of why the fuck not? Um, and I did, uh, and that was really hard. Um, yeah, I learned a lot, but uh, that was hard. Sort of, if I can just jump in quickly. What? No, shut up. Uh, that <laughs> sequel was The Mirror's Truth, which uh, won a uh, an art fantasy stabby that year for best self published author uh, book, rather. Uh, anyway, so now you can jump in and un- interrupt now that I'm I'm done. Fuck. Thank you. So I was just curious, why did, why did you say it was hard to go from traditionally publishing well, things? Uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't know um, I didn't know any artists. Uh, I, I was really new to social media, so I didn't know any other writers. I knew nobody um, at that point. Uh, I, I had no idea how to self-publish a book. You know, I was like Ingram, Amazon. Uh, at that point, it was... Uh, what the fuck was the one that did print? Yeah, Create Space, that's right. Create Space back then, it was bought out by Amazon, I think. Yeah, so I had to sort of do a print copy on Create Space, which was a pain in the ass, and then the digital copy on Amazon, which was a different pain in the ass. Um, So I I learned a lot doing that, and sort of that made, you know, the other books easier. Um, Now, after that, I don't know how much detail to go into. Maybe we'll we'll swing back to that later. I think I'm yeah, I think now. talking about early initial mistakes with our first indie books, that yeah. can be a good thing to pick up on later. Dirk, do you want to talk a little bit about your publishing story? Because you've been independently published from get-go, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I started writing uh, the first book uh, in 2011, and I just did it to keep myself sane um, at that point. I found out I've always wanted to write novels. I used to write screenplays. I've written a lot of short stories. I tried to write a novel when I was 16, you know, that kind of crazy stuff, um, which I did finish and it's terrible. Um, but, and it's all handwritten, of course, because we're Whoa. talking about, we're talking about, you know, the late 70s. <laughs> the 70s yeah that's aging myself there but um uh i worked in uh i mean this is relevant to the story because i worked in the film business for a lot of years including uh i was out in los angeles for a while i wanted to be a producer and screenwriter and um and did did a lot of good stuff ended up making most of my living as an actor but a lot of my friends did that kind of thing and i did have an agent the entire time i was there for acting and I know how the film business works, good and bad. Um, and uh, I also had a really good idea of how the publishing business works, which is very, very similar. And throughout that process, uh, I was uh, querying to get an agent for my screenplays, um, which never happened, even though my, my, some of my screenplays did get read by New Line Cinema and Scott Free, and I had a idea for a TV series picked up by, um, um, by American Zoetrope Television, which was Francis Ford Coppola's company, but it, it died in the hands of the, of the Canadian uh, financiers at that time. Fucking Canadians. Yeah, fucking Canadians. Um, they, uh, <laughs> uh, yo hosers. Uh, <laughs> um, so I had a good idea. Uh, but still, once I had finished, you know, years, years writing, it was 2015, 
and I decided uh, I had rewritten the book a number of times. It was originally two books. And I was like, you know, maybe I do want to publish this. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to. So I started doing some research and talking to friends and gathering some information and did a pros and cons. Should I try to query it or should I not? Should I go with traditional publishing? And even at that time, there was still a big stigma attached to self-publishing. If you self-published, you would basically get blacklisted. You could never get an agent no matter what you wrote uh, again. Um, never for the book that you self-publish or the series you self-publish. Absolutely not. Publishers would not look at you. Um, that has changed significantly in the last five years um, where publishers are actually contacting directly um, self-pub authors and asking if they, them if they'd like a deal. I mean, we know several uh, people where that's happened and it continues to happen um, so that stigma is gone. So if that's holding anyone back, don't let it. But anyway, so I, I just, I did decide to self-publish. I didn't want to go through that query stuff. Um, as a producer and marketing kind of guy, I had learned a lot about, you know, production. So the actual production of putting together and advertising. So the actual day-to-day -day business of starting up a business of self-publishing, which is really what it is. You have to handle everything yourself. Um, was not daunting, though it was a very steep learning curve. Um, and I knew no one. I knew absolutely no one in the business. Um, so I decided to self-publish. And before I self-published, before my book came out, I went to the Confusion Conference, my very first writing conference. I had been to a lot of conferences um, in LA, uh, Comic-Con and Fangoria, and just, you know, every year I go to half a dozen because they have so many in California. Um, so I went to a conference, uh, just a small one up in Michigan. Great, highly recommended for anyone. It's more of a pro-con than a fan-con. And, um, I just really lucked out and met some really great people early on. Um, and it was just about, you know, how to be basically how to be cool at a conference and not be too pushy, but still let people know who you are and meet people. Um, and I met Steve Drew who started up our fantasy. And at that time they had a quarter of the members they have now in uh, January, 2016. And he got me an AMA. Um, he said, no, there's no way. But the more we talked, the more he said, you know what, I'm going to run it by the mods because you have an interesting background. Because I have a PhD in film. I wrote my dissertation about Lord of the Rings. Um, I worked in the film business. I've been in some movies that people know. So he figured there was enough there. Um, and it went really well for an early AMA. And I had only learned about Confusion because I had just recently gotten a Twitter and Facebook account. Um, and, and again, was feeling my way through this and was like, oh, look at these authors, like making fun of each other and having fun. I hope that, I hope I can do that one day. Little, little did I know that I'd be, I'd be, yeah. uh, locked into the cycle of horror with, with people like Michael R. Fletcher and Rob Hayes and all the, the other guys dragging you on a podcast. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the then, you know, and, and the next year I got on some panels and I, I, did really well in the early, in that SPFBO, self-published fantasy blog off that Mark Lawrence runs. Um, 
uh, was a finalist and placed third. Um, Jonathan French, who won that year, was one of those people who actually got a um, an email that he didn't believe. He sent it to a few of us. He's like, I don't, is this real? Do you guys know who this is? I mean, I've done some research and holy crap, it was the, it was the, um, the, the editor at, it was an editor at, uh, I think it was Random House, um, who had, who had, the gray bastards, who, had right? who had picked up, who had picked up and, uh, and edited The Martian, right? There we go. There's the book, um, The Grey Bastards. And, uh, and now Jonathan's a trad pub author because that's, that's what he had always really wanted to do with the Grey Bastards series. So these things, did, and those kinds of things would have been unheard of just a year prior, a year or two prior, absolutely unheard of. And the guy, that, that, that editor actually said, I will help you. I will put this out to agents and say, hey, I want this book. If you want to represent this guy, get back to him in 48 hours. And he was inundated and he got to talk to a bunch of agents and ended up going with a fantastic agent actually somebody who i had met um i had met her and she was great at um at uh that confu that same confusion conference she was on a panel with wes q and, and a couple other people um so i've just been i've been really lucky i'm really slow my books are two years apart in in uh in in re-release um, and I think from a lot of what you're hearing here, the, the idea is just stick with it, stick to it, you know, and, and no matter what happens, I mean, think about it. Mike was querying his first book for three years. Um, and most people, stupid. most, most people, well, there's a fine line, all of us, right? There's a fine line between being tenacious and just being complete fucking idiots. And um, I think some, I, some of us managed to be both. <laughs> me too so basically that's kind of my story i i, I lose i lose uh, track of my own conversations in my head so so just to date some things quickly um jerk when did the first paternus book come out for you the first book came out may 1st of 2016 right in time to submit to the spfbo and yep. I knew that was coming up, and I only learned about that because I had just joined Reddit Fantasy because Drew, I mean, Steve Drew made me join because I, had, I didn't even have an account at that time with Reddit, with Reddit Fantasy. And um, I'm super glad he did. Um, such a great guy. And um, I, uh, uh, then the second book came out in June, July, uh, June of, 2018 and then the third book just came out a couple weeks ago uh, on july 10th okay or wait no july 23rd july or june 23rd yes <laughs> it's out now last it's been month out for a while. yeah last it's month out it's now. out now it's um, out now and mike your first indie book came out in 2016 i'm not gonna even think about the month i think the truth was 2016 so good thank uh Beyond Redemption, the Harper Voyager one was 2015. And I, late, I think late 2016 was the Mirror's Truth. Okay. And Rob, yours first came out in 2013? Um, 13, 2013. I released all three books of the Ties That Bind on 
I believe it was April 17th, 2013, <coughs> uh, which was a day like any other. It was a dark and stormy <laughs> night. Um, Atmospheric. And then, yeah, they, uh, they got took off sale on uh, sometime in 2014 and then republished in 2017. Okay, so I just wanted to clarify that because I think I approach this from like a very sort of different perspective than all of you three who are more established in the community. I only have two books out at this stage. And my first book, um, Fires of the Dead, came out in September of 2019, last year. Um, and I definitely think it's interesting how we've all been talking about the different perceptions of traditional versus self-publishing and how that's evolved over the time. Because with this book, I was very much interested in uh, self-publishing it and just seeing how that pathway would kind of unfold. Um, because like all of you, I'm sure I'd done a lot of research into both pathways. I'd sort of didn't have a particular stigma in my, no research, Michael's shaking his head. I forget, no, you don't no. do research. You just, you just no, go and, yeah. and hopefully learn from mistakes. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting because Mike, you talked, uh, Dirk, you were talking earlier about how, um, you know, back in the day, there was more stigma attached to self-publishing and everything. And I suppose for me coming into it as a, uh, like, more amateur author in 2019, I didn't really see that for me. So it was more, how can I test if self-publishing is gonna be interesting to me? And that's why I didn't publish Across the Broken Stars, which I've been working on for uh, like a year and a half at that stage. But I decided to write like a much shorter thing so that I could just kind of dip my toe in the self-publishing waters, see if it was something that I could like learn, first of all, and if it would be kind of having the sort of results in everything that I wanted it to have. Um, and it did, and that's why I'm now sort of down the self-publishing pathway. So I definitely think hopefully through this podcast, we can kind of like have snapshots of authors at different stages in their journeys. I would say that most of you are like well established and advanced in the community. I'm still much I newer. veterans. So, yes, veterans, that's the word. <laughs> We've, we have lost that, that new author smell. We yeah, now have a, that old author smell. You're quiet. I wouldn't describe it as old author smell. It's something <laughs> entirely different. You smell like old books. That's definitely it. Yeah. That's a nice how smell old, to have. How about old cheese? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a bit of a quarantine stench going on at the moment, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Need to open those windows at some stage. But Hopefully, like through this podcast, um, for people out there who are listening to it right now, you're going to kind of get the perspectives of people who are quite experienced in self-publishing and people like me who are just sort of coming into it and going to make a lot of mistakes and hopefully learning new things. So I think hopefully that'll be a strength of having this kind of mixture of experience and everything. Um, and with that, it's time to segue into my shameless plug for this week, because this episode's featured book is... Cross the Broken Stars by yours truly. Thank you for the clap. Thank you for the clap. Um, which is a space fantasy novel set in a world where people live on these discs that float in space. Uh, and it's about a cowardly war deserter who's trying to seek redemption by helping this young fugitive search for a mythical safe haven that may or may not exist. So this was my first uh, self-published novel. And I had been initially tossing up whether to traditionally or independently publish it. But after writing Fires of the Dead, which is back there, 
um, and self-publishing that as a novella a few months earlier, I decided to go self-publishing and like the rest of you, I think I am now committed to this self-publishing pathway for the foreseeable future. So we have about eight minutes before our recording runs out. Uh, I think if we have time, it'd be great to talk a little bit about kind of exactly that, our future, what we sort of want the rest of our publishing pathway to look like. Rob has a dog on his lap now, so I suppose that, that means you can start she talking woke up. about this first. I'm trying to <laughs> distract her from wanting a walk. I see. Puppy! Uh, yeah, so we <laughs> <laughs> just all got very distracted there for a second. Um, yeah, so derailed the conversation with a beagle. If we have time, <laughs> distraction beagle. If we have time, I'd be very interested to just sort of hear what your, um, for each of you, what your kind of like foreseeable plans are within publishing moving forward over the next couple of years, as much as you are willing or able to share, um, or just any other general thoughts you have on the topic of self versus traditional publishing. Mike, do you want to kick us off? Uh, sure. Uh, so for me, I, I mean, part of uh, what I faced is uh, part of my problem, one of many. Um, I originally defined success as traditional publishing. And so when I started, and for the longest time, uh, I saw self-publishing as a sort of like, you know, redheaded stepchild. Uh, that was failure for me. Um, that has changed as I've sort of uh, realized that I it's much better on my mental health um, the ability to write a book uh, hire an artist have control over the cover and put out something that I'm really proud of um, makes me a lot happier than waiting two years for rejection um, so in terms of future plans like right now I am loving self-publishing I got two trilogies on the go. Uh, but honestly, if a, if a trad publisher came along and was like, hey, we want to publish your book, uh, you know, here's a dump truck of money, then yeah, fuck yeah, I'm in. What about you, Rob? Um, yeah, I, in some ways I kind of feel the same. Um, I, I think especially for when the sort of like the, the newer authors, there's still this very much the stigma of um, traditional publishing is is the ceiling you know and um self-publishing is sort of the basement uh, where you get relegated if you're not good enough and it's it's not true um but it's been there for a long time uh and it's i feel i think that sort of that idea is still still very much about um whereas i think in reality um the, there are authors these days who could be traditionally published who certainly have the, the sales for it and I actually know a few who have even been approached by um, publishers and they've, they've turned them down. Um, there's a few reasons for that I and mean, one of them can be uh, the creative aspect of it. You have more control over a project when you are self-publishing it. It can be what you want it to be um, whereas with uh, traditional publishing you're a little bit more beholden to the, to the publisher um, you know, if, if they want something sort of adding in, you, you know, have to to do that or at least consider it. Um, but then there's also a financial aspect, which is uh, for the lower and uh, mid tier, we'll, we'll call them tiers, uh, of, of publishers, uh, of authors even, you stand to make more money 
as a self-publisher than you do as a traditional publisher, uh, as a traditional published author, um, because you get a much larger slice of the pie. Um, you know, uh, there are traditional published authors who have released the statistics of how much they get paid per book or whatever, and you know, some of them get like fifteen pence per book sold or whatever. It's 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 nothing. Whereas, as a self-published author, you can be getting what a couple of quid per book sale. Um, sorry, a couple of pounds, very English there, quid. Um, that's what we call pounds in England because we're all colloquial. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there's that to take into account as well. Um, if, if you've got the, the expertise and the, the capital, uh, I suppose, to, to throw that you can stand to make a lot more from self-publishing uh, than you might via traditional publishing. Um, for myself, my own personal preferences, I would like to uh, do a bit of sort of hybrid personally. I would still like to be traditionally published, partly because having a publisher there to take the, the heavy lifting of certain things off my hand would be uh, amazing. Um, there's certain parts of the publishing industry, uh, self-publishing industry as well, that I find incredibly stressful and hate having to do. But you have to do it because I don't have a team behind me. Um, and there's also the fact that I feel that there is a still a very large portion of readers who you will never have access to as a self-published author um, because they just will not, uh, they'll either refuse to, to read self-published uh, work or they'll simply never find it because they mm. may be only shopping at stores or, or whatever. Um, so I feel that you will find you, there is that portion of the of the readership of, of the market that you will be able to access via traditional publishing that you won't be able to via self-publishing. Uh, Dirk, we only have about a minute left before our recording runs out. Do you have any quick things about your kind of future publishing plans? Yeah, I I completely agree with anything those guys said. Um, uh, my next my next uh, I'm going to try the rapid release strategy. Um, four to six books, much shorter than the ones I've written. Um, and I'm going to try to get, you know, a good number of them done before I release the first book. But by rapid, I don't mean as rapid as Rob. I mean one every three months, right? That's, um, that's doable. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't one, do maybe, like three books over two months. Just don't. No, maybe one every three months, maybe even four or five or six. But for me, that's fast. Um, and uh, they be in the same world as Paternus, but I'm in the same boat as the other guys. If somebody came in, a publisher, and offered me a really good deal, um, I would take it just to be a hybrid publisher because, like exactly like Rob said, you you gather an audience that you just can't touch as a self pub, um, and you just can't get to. Mm. So I uh, don't want to run out of time. So, but that's kind of where I am. Yeah, and I think also that helps you kind of cross-pollinate those audiences as well. If you have like one traditional published book, you know, maybe you get a fan from that who then reads your 13 other indie books. That's the whole, yeah, that's the whole idea. That's the whole reason to do it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been a really great episode. Um, on that note, it is time to wrap this particular episode. Thank you everyone for listening slash, wa slash watching. Yeah, can't even pronounce my words. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Wizards, Warriors and Words. We hope you learned something useful. We love hearing from our listeners. 
Our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes. I personally read and respond to every email, so feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors, and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes, and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher, and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.